0: So um, I don't know if you want a bit of an intro before we we kick off, or
1: yeah. So this is where I plug my new book or whatever it is, but I don't <laughs> yeah, have what one you, of those. What
0: <laughs> <in the moment. laughs> And welcome to Offscript by Hey Radio, a podcast for the tech community. My name is Josh Nesbitt and I run a software consultancy called Stack based in Leeds, as well as the Hey events and conferences. I'm joined today by my co-host, James Hall. Hiya.
1: I run a digital agency called Parallax and we make websites and apps and that kind of thing.
0: Awesome. So me and James have known each other for many years now. It felt natural to share the airwaves with James, um, talking about a variety of topics. Um, the topic today is career progression, um, but I'm sure we'll have many things to talk about in the future. Um, so yeah, hey and welcome again, James. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, looking forward to getting into it. Hello. 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 How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you?
0: Oh, it's a bit manic at the moment, isn't it? It
1: feels like everything's getting busier and busier. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is not usually the way it goes, uh, especially in agencies around summer. Um, or is it the same? Is it the same for you as me? Or
1: we tend to have a little bit of a lull in the summer, but that's not happened this time. Um, <laughs> I think because people are now starting to take the holidays a bit more as well, mm. and they've got it all saved up from earlier when they weren't allowed to go away. So,
0: yeah, usually holiday uh, holiday centre, isn't it? August time. That's it. Um, not this time though. <laughs> I guess we're, a lot of people are doing um, you know, camping abroad, uh, camping locally. Staycations. Staycations, yeah.
1: Yeah, get away from the Zoom
0: calls. Yeah, As you know, yeah they're relentless at the moment, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, the, the topic for this this particular podcast is career progression. Um, and there's lots of different things we're going to touch on. Um, from defining your own career path to um, the state of the industry in terms of, you know, what the market's like at the moment, Um, you know, in certain organizational structures, how do we look at career progression, career paths, uh, pathways, all that sort of stuff. Um, But the one thing I thought we could start with is like, how do you define a career path? So forget that we're in leadership roles and forget that we're... um, you know, running teams, how would you as an individual kind of define your career path, I guess, is, is kind of where I thought we'd start.
1: Well, it's a very personal thing, isn't it? And I think it's different for everyone. But for me, it's looking at the things that I enjoy doing and mm. try to work more of that into my role. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm in sort of in the fortunate position where I've got enough things going on in the week that I would probably still continue to do if money was were no object, which yeah. I think is quite a lucky position to be in. And that's that's coding, really. I like I like to crowbar a bit of coding in there. The mm. people side of it I find quite challenging. Like it's, it's not my skill set, really. And mm. it's that takes a lot of energy. I think you're in a sort of similar boat. Um,
0: Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I think it's because you learn uh, – don't know about you, but I, obviously I learned the, the programming side first. I, I got very stuck into code, um, learned kind of Ruby as my first big language, and I, I just fell in love with it and really loved to kind of immersing myself in that environment. Um, the people management stuff, while it has its own challenges, is also very rewarding, but it's a very different beast, isn't it? It is, yeah.
1: And Unfortunately, any sort of like technical architecture type roles or anything where you're sort of trying to move a project forward is very heavy on communication mm. and getting people on board to your way of thinking. So unfortunately you have to talk to people. <laughs> you can't just <laughs> open a big old pull request and hope <laughs> hope that everyone agrees with you. You have to actually chat to them and get yeah. them get them on side. So it's it's a necessary evil, isn't it? Um, but yeah. it's something that you can get used to and enjoy, I guess. Um, but it's yeah, what you don't want is to is to have a career path where you end up being so good at one thing that you then get promoted into doing something else, mm. which I think is what happens with a lot of developers.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's one of the, I think one of the interesting things uh, and something I've seen in the last few years is um, I want progression. You know, how do I become a manager? And actually, you know, hold on a second, like, you know, your, your career progression, particularly in an engineering role, isn't that you kind of work up the ranks, uh, so to speak, and then you become a manager. Um, absolutely nothing wrong with management whatsoever, but that's not necessarily the path you have to go on to, to afford seniority and um, to be kind of more of a senior person in the, in the team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important that, that companies have a path where you can become more senior, like they call them like principal developers and things like that, where you, yeah. you're you on the same level, but you, you, you're you not doing that that management role. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I think unfortunately, I've I've sort of backed myself into a corner <laughs> running a company because there's nowhere <laughs> yeah. there's, I can't do that basically. Yeah, but it's sort of it's, it is what it is, isn't it? But
0: I guess your role is quite uh, unique in that sense because um, you have to wear a lot when you're in your own company. You have to wear a lot of hats, um, yeah, m- many many hats every day. Not even just the management and coding hat, is it? So
1: yeah, it's like removing blockers and making sure everyone can get on with their own stuff rather yes. than doing my own bits <laughs> as much as I'd like to be messing around with new tech, it's not always
0: <laughs> Do you find that quite hard in terms of not having enough time, not enough time but more time to tinker on things
1: um, It's. It depends I think you can you can work it into your day well into your week <laughs> um, and we do the regular hack days and stuff so that's a good opportunity to sort of block out a little bit of time and work mm. on some cool stuff but they, in honesty, the, some of the projects that we'd end up selling, we we work in interesting parts anyway, so they become part of the gig. Mm. So you learn sort of as you're doing them,
0: like R and D style stuff along the way.
1: Yeah, like playing around with like treadmills or like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all sorts of strange and wonderful things.
0: Yeah, I, I always love it going into your office because there's always all sorts of. Stuff I was about to say crap. It's not crap. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it needs a tidy.
0: <laughs> but you know, you've got the you've got the room on the right when you walk in. That's full of all the street lighting equipment, um, all the little stuff that you're tinkering with at the time. Um, yeah. I remember when you were doing that. Um, I can't remember what the the table with the screening was called, but
1: yeah, the big touch tables. We're doing more stuff with those at the moment. Super yeah, cool. Um, yeah,
0: definitely. and do you kind of do you encourage hacking with them? You know, trying to trying to mess around with them, trying to figure out different ways to utilize them. And
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's what the hack days are for. Um, but yeah, in in terms of what we do at Parallax, we we try and help people plan their career path using this PDP framework that Andy's put together mm. so it's looking at sort of like short term goals long term goals a bit about what what motivates them like why do you get up in the morning like what are you interested in yeah and it hopefully As we flesh out this document in the one-to-ones that we do they sort of get a clearer picture of where they want to go and where they've come from and all that kind of stuff
0: i saw something recently and this is this is quite a common thing the i think it's called a skills matrix um where you've got you've got like the grid and you try and figure out okay well i'm interested in these things Where, where do i land in terms of the career path for me at this place
1: yeah, yeah, no, it t- makes total sense.
0: I think it was CircleCI I saw. Oh, nice. Done it. Yeah, they published one recently.
1: Yeah, I mean, all that kind of stuff's really good. Um, I think part of the problem with career paths is I don't know if people spend enough time thinking about themselves and where they actually want to go. Yeah. You just live every day as it comes. Yeah. So you get up and have a slice of toast and then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> open Jira. <laughs> um but you, it's very difficult to get people to think a little bit longer term,
0: I think. It's quite hard, though, I think, as well. So if you think about, um, especially when you think about when you're starting out as a, as a more junior developer, you know, you're so immersed in the technology and trying to really learn the way that we build, in our cases, we build applications. I guess you're not really thinking that far ahead in terms of well, what do I want to do in 10 years time and what skill sets will be useful for me in my kind of longer career and yeah. It's quite hard to signpost early on in those days to try and figure out what's going to be something that you should invest in, I guess.
1: Yeah, it is tricky. Um, and you sometimes jump on the wrong bandwagon. Yeah. But I think there seems to be a real shift at the moment with everyone wanting to do React-based stuff. Yeah. And that, I think that bet's paid off. Like, that's going to be with us for a long time, isn't it? And, I think so. Um, yeah, I think picking a tech and backing it is one way. Yeah. Um, um, as you did with Ruby on Rails, and that mm. that sort of kickstarted your career, didn't it?
0: Yeah, and I guess it, it's it's interesting. It's it's not aged badly. Um, I'd still use it today to build build new apps. Uh, I think it's great. I love Ruby as a language, so that really helps. Um, yeah. But you're right. You have just got to kind of pick a pick a pathway and hope it pays off in a way. Um, yeah, especially when you invest heavily in a framework, for example, because um, you went a similar route with Laravel. Yeah. Um, It wasn't always Laravel, was it there? I think you you went...
1: Oh, we used... um, (laughs) I think it was was something called PHP on tracks way back when that just died quite quickly, but it was a way of copying Ruby on Rails in a language that I knew.
0: Yeah, I remember PHP at the time, because you had um, Codeigniter, you had a few different ones that were trying to really implement MVC.
1: Yeah, that's Um, it. Um, And then moved on to CakePHP, became a contributor there, did a few uh, hairy... Uh, there weren't pull requests back then you submitted an SVN diff (laughs) on a mailing list (laughs) Um, and then they merged it in for you Um, (laughs) but yeah um, I think the the move to Laravel and its popularity and growth has really helped us Mm. because the ecosystem is just amazing Um,
0: yeah I think uh, they've all kind of learned from each other haven't they so Ruby on Rails wasn't the first framework to do the way they did it really it was just all inspired by different parts of the past yeah Um, but it's quite interesting, I, I read, um, read an article by Joel Spolsky, uh, obviously uh, ran uh, Stack Overflow, still on the board, I think. Yep. Um, started Fog Creeks back in the day and did Fog Bugs. Fog Bugs, yeah, yeah. Uh, which, I don't know if that was the predecessor to Jira, was it? Or was it were they around the same time? Or? Oh, I think Fog Bugs might be, might be a bit older, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but he was talking about, because um, when he built um, Fog Creeks, he was doing a lot of development, obviously set up Stack Overflow. Um that went pretty well yeah
1: yeah and Trello as well and, and sold yeah. it to Atlassian which I think is a mistake but it's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> now to log into it is awful and they charge you loads of money but <laughs> yeah
0: embedding Trello boards is basically impossible inside of Confluence now which is fantastic um, yeah. but he talked about um obviously during his time at Stack Overflow he was part of the kind of leadership there he wasn't doing a lot of the engineering I know Jeff Atwood was one of the main yeah um, developers and he talked about um selling Stack Overflow to uh, I want to say something like pegasus or something like that i can't remember that vc company um and he returned back to engineering he's like nothing's really changed yeah he's like there's obviously new, you know new rateways and frameworks and stuff but the way that we build software is pretty much the same
1: that's it yeah yeah i mean does you think the tooling is getting better incremental improvements and stuff but yeah it's it's the same <laughs> yeah. some bolts underneath isn't it yeah um yeah
0: yeah, I, I do remember that that article. I think I mentioned it last time we chatted, actually. Remy Sharp mentioned the web didn't change, you did. And the way that we build things has become more conflated <laughs> and complicated. I know we touched on this on that, that first episode we did together on this podcast. Yeah,
1: yeah. Wasn't the web better 10 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like 10 years ago now. It <laughs> <That> was pre-COVID.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, blimey, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, crazy times. But yeah. Um, so yeah, so, so back to that kind of that initial question, I guess, defining your pathway. What do you think? What do you think if you were to speak to yourself? I don't know how many years ago, fifteen years ago, maybe. Um, how would you? How would you advise yourself on what to invest in or the pathways to look into? Like, what, what advice would you give yourself in terms of how do you set up your view of what you should do for the future? Yeah, hindsight's
1: a wonderful thing, isn't it? <laughs>
0: um,
1: I definitely think investing more heavily in automated tests earlier in my career would have been helpful. Mm. And I'm only coming into it, well, I say late, but heavily eight years onwards (laughs) (laughs) when I realized, actually, this really horrible, hard bit of logic here is actually easier to write with the tests than (laughs) it is with scraps of paper and scrambling around. (laughs) Um, So I think automated testing would have been, yeah, if I had to go back in time and Mm. advise myself on that, i'd say stick at it it gets better (laughs) um and i think as a as a tool for career progression having shipping bug free or less bug buggy code is (laughs) is a good thing right
0: yeah i I guess that approach to um i think the approach to testing software has probably matured quite a lot in the last 10 years say um again rails wasn't one of the first very much to do it but the way that they bundled the whole testing approach into how you'd write apps yeah, they were kind of hard baking in that TDD stuff. Um, but you're right with like the whole automation approach, everything around different different perspectives on testing. I think that's matured a hell of a lot in the last 10 years.
1: Yeah, well, that's sort of was part and parcel of the Rails ecosystem with Capistrano and Rake and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It was like you, it, I think that almost the 12 factor app thing evolved out of that ecosystem and Heroku yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and obviously, you look back and you think, well, that's the best practice that you can have for an app. Like, yeah,
0: it's, all, it's kind of obvious now. You're like, of, yeah. of course we do it that way. Of course we have pipelines that run tests before we deploy. And yeah, yeah, this <laughs> all is
1: all things. normal now. This is yeah. built into GitHub and Bitbucket and all the, all the things.
0: I remember with Capistrano, you'd be you you'd kind of you'd probably run a few local tests and you'd be like, right, I'm going to push it to production now from my machine. Is that all right, everyone?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it would go off and SSH into random things yeah. <laughs> and restarts. Yeah, yeah, clusters of machines. It was kind of scary, wasn't it? <laughs>
0: Yeah. I kind of liked it though, like in a way, because it was that, um, the autonomy was in, you're in control of it. You know, you couldn't, you understood because you'd scripted each step. Um, you knew how the stuff got onto the machines cause you knew it was an SSH command or an SCP copy or something.
1: Yeah. And you could debug it cause it wasn't some mysterious <laughs> yeah. Docker build script, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, which is kind of like shell, except not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It looks the same, but it isn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I guess the, So, you mentioned in terms of parallax, uh, you're looking at career progression in terms of those kind of skills matrices and things like that, or?
1: That's right, yeah. So, people self-grading themselves where they think they are on certain bits of technology Mm. and different areas of focus, and then re-evaluating that every so often. So, yeah, we do one-on-ones, try to do them every two weeks, holiday-dependent. So, I'll do one set and Andy will do another. But Mm. I think we used to do quarterly reviews uh, and some agencies I've heard do like six month or 12 month reviews which I think is way too long. It's
0: quite a long time, especially in tech, quite a long time to wait to reflect. Yeah, they have
1: a load of stuff bubbling up and they might forget half of it (laughs) Um, but if you're speaking at least once a month in that sort of more casual way then Mm. things come up and you can address them there and then rather than Mm. letting them sort of fester and stuff.
0: I find as well, not that it's not that it's the solution, but I think the social side of, of work also is a good way to discuss some of these things more informally. I think when you try and put someone on the spot to talk about their career progression, your mind goes blank. Yeah.
1: yeah <laughs> you don't yeah, really
0: yeah. know. But but when you kind of as you said, more conversationally, just thinking about you know, how's your week been? Oh, this has just really driven me crazy or uh, I felt a bit lost on this or whatever. I think that's a much more valuable way to get that feedback.
1: Definitely. And if you take notes, you can look back at it and go, do you remember when this sort of stuff used to really be difficult or mm-hmm. bother you? And now that's, that problem's long gone. Yeah. So you can just sort of reflect and see. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you've got time hop, you can just sort of see yeah. <laughs> yeah. how you how you change as a person.
0: Yeah, uh, and it's good though, isn't it? It's kind of like I, I remember when TDD made me feel really uncomfortable, and I really hated the, that way of working. Yeah, and then something kind of clicked, and sometimes it doesn't click, and that's okay as well. Um, but now I kind of think, well, that's that's just the way I want to work, and that's that's good. I think that's a, that's a lesson learned.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, when I first started doing automated tests, I do a lot of really easy to write tests yeah. that were pointless yeah. and keep them forever. And I would definitely want them to keep passing them and like keep <laughs> yeah. them around in the test suite and just throw more cash at it and run them in parallel. <laughs> and, like, and now I know that it's okay to delete a test that's yeah. not providing value anymore. Yeah. Like it was there. it's good scaffolding for me to write the thing. Mm. It can go away now. <laughs> 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 I don't need to keep paying Travis CI $1,000 a month to hammer through that yeah. <laughs> a completely pointless flaky test
0: Yeah, I <laughs> have a thousand unit tests all testing things that aren't important to the yeah. application anymore
1: I hate unit tests well I don't hate them they've got a time and a place but they sometimes they're so simple that mm. it's not really testing anything if you mock everything around it and then just test yeah. it's like it's like you're getting a multimeter and just putting it on a wire it's like yeah. <laughs> of course that works yeah uh, <laughs> um, but the wire's got connectors ready, yeah so. <laughs> yeah that's it yeah. it's all, <laughs> the rest of it's all on fire so yeah. um
0: yeah. yeah i can't remember who said it It was something like um i think a well-written integration test is worth a thousand unit tests i might have made that up but I th- yeah i'm sure i heard it somewhere. i would
1: definitely go with that mm. um unless it involves browser testing in which case it's so flaky it's
0: <laughs>
1: it's not worth running <laughs> yeah.
0: but that is interesting though because it's like you know the the ecosystem we were talking about how things used to be a little while ago but you know the it's not really changed you know you've got puppeteer you've got cypress you've got these different approaches yeah they're, to the getting, testing apps. they're
1: getting a lot better now yeah
0: well they're plugged they're kind of more primitive parts of the browser aren't they now so they're kind of a lot more closely embedded than just this dumb thing driving a browser yeah not yeah. dumb, I didn't mean
1: that. It just gets a bit more reliable and yeah. repeatable rather than, yeah, some of the earlier Selenium builds were a bit,
0: <laughs> <laughs> a bit shaky, weren't they?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, wait wait until this selector appears. Oh, it didn't. Oh, I sleep for a bit longer, I'll be yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Just
1: stick a few weights in. <laughs> yeah. What about yourself? How do you sort of define your career path, do you think?
0: Um, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think I started the same as you in terms of thinking about, the stuff that really interested me um, the kind of apps I wanted to build so um, I spent a lot of time as we all do there's like a right of passage you build a lot of admin interfaces and a lot of because that's always the last thing that you think about when you build an app so you got to cobble together something you, <laughs> usually leftover style sheet bits and <laughs> it looks a bit dodgy get
1: a bit of bootstrap in there <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly um, but yeah I think that, that side interested me quite a lot in terms of how you build a lot of the administration back end stuff because I think uh, what I noticed early on is a lot of people don't really think of the the people who administer the application as users. Um, so you've always got this really terrible knock-together admin interface, but actually yeah. they're really important because it might be deleting some data or, <laughs> or like managing something big.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you learn quite quickly that you want to put soft deletes on everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, definitely.
1: Um, but yeah, the even though it's only got two users, the, yeah. the, the, I think a clear admin interface means that you've got a clear design for the application as well
0: yeah exactly
1: Um it's not just a big list of all your crud tables <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah um, yeah well there's all these um especially in rails there's loads of um auto admin interfaces there's probably loads in laravel now too. yeah
1: we've got nova which is awful uh well it's it's good but you you get to a point and you just go off a cliff with it but yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. this was useful for me yeah and you've you you can not give that to a client you can no. you can hack little bits in and get get a little bit further but
0: yeah, yeah no. <laughs> especially when you were, as you said, when you were at more like, are you are you really sure you want to do this action? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's about to knack <laughs> or something. <laughs> but yeah, I think I was drawn to that side um, just as much as the front end stuff because it was really interesting to me how it all tied into the all the back end services, a lot of the underlying data structures and a lot of the really cool code in my eyes where, especially in Rails, you, you can model some of this stuff really naturally in the language that is Ruby. And I just found that really interesting. So that gave me a good view of the whole stack yeah, um, definitely, and that's kind of how I kind of started to think about micro-progression in terms of I really like building front ends and making them look nice and work really well but I also quite like the, the architectural side.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's what interests me most how everything sort of mm. works together rather than how it looks
0: Yeah, I mean you've got some amazing like some of the stuff that your guys churn out in terms of the front-end experiences and the way that some of the, that that ties together i could never do <laughs> um and I, I kind of have a newfound respect for a lot of the front-end world because where people have really taken a lot of these um interactions and experiences is amazing um and maybe for starting now i'd look a bit more into that i don't know yeah yeah um but yeah i mean it's it's all kind of changed all the frameworks on like you know you've got stuff like green sock and really amazing animation frameworks that weren't possible on the web when we started, really. Um, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Bring back Flash and all that sort oh, of stuff. Oh, yeah, <laughs> if only. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's quite cool now. Uh, I think I'd definitely be more looking into that, especially the way that a lot of the backend problems have been solved in different ways for most of most apps. Now, if you look at the data structures for most apps, then they're, they're not too crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. Unless you're building huge systems, obviously. But,
1: that's where it all gets a bit more hairy, isn't
0: it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs)
1: Um, Microservices with no single source of truth.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit crazy, especially when you're trying to... I think the real challenge is how that scales with... It's a a cultural thing at that point, I think, how that scales with the teams and how everyone works on, on, on the code base. And that's when you start to get into that bridging of the gap between technical competence and knowledge and experience with working with people and communication. And that's probably... That's probably where I think we need to be looking at in their career pathways uh, and investing more time and energy into earlier on.
1: Yeah, I think the the way that you build a team or an app where you've got three or four developers is very different from mm. 50 and 100 developers because it mm. really becomes a, a properly serious people problem at 50 yeah. devs, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah,
0: it becomes a different beast, doesn't
1: it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't been exposed too much to that world but through you and, <laughs> yeah. and boozy chats,
0: it, yeah, um, yeah,
1: it, it yeah, sounds interesting.
0: It's it's just a different set of problems, isn't it? Um, they both they both have different perspectives on things. So with a smaller team, maybe you don't need to communicate that much. Uh, maybe you could just write a pull request because you know one of three people that authored that are on the same wavelength and you're aligned. And um, maybe you do have a lot of chats outside of work or around work, but. You can kind of be more autonomous. Um, yeah. I think that autonomy is a lot harder to strive for when you've got a, a big team, um, especially with, you know, attrition rates and, um, you know, it, it's a lot harder to keep that velocity um, yeah. going. And
1: to keep that many developers engaged and interested in what they're doing when, frankly, some of the tasks aren't going to be as fun as some of the others. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, someone's going to be working on some subsystem that that isn't it just needs to work <laughs>
0: yeah yeah definitely I, I think at the moment with um, with this client caveira that I'm working with at the moment they're, they're building the insurance service platform which is an amazing thing to build it's so um, it's so beautifully complex but also beautifully simple if you think about what the primitive basis of, of, of that system is um, but yeah you definitely get some people who are like oh, I'm working on this service and I kind of want to work on the, the quote service over there because yeah, that's yeah. really interesting like, that, in, that integrates with pricing and all sorts of stuff and actually I don't want to build a address lookup service or (laughs) you know but i quite enjoyed the simple ones i quite enjoy writing a really simple service but like testing it really well yeah yeah um because it's self-contained a lot more isn't it that's
1: it yeah i guess in agency life you get to do lots of varied things so you can do a little bit of react one day and a bit of back end the next day yeah yeah (laughs) and ship it and get on to the next client oh.
0: which not Yeah, which is interesting. So how do you apply that to a larger team? How do you, because one of the things that we're trying to look at at the moment um, is, is how we can give people access and visibility of the entire ecosystem. So how could you be working on React one day and maybe a backend microservice another day? And, um, you know, we have a whole mixture of disciplines from C-sharp to node. So is there an interest in cross-skilling, you know, where are we going in terms of technology fragmentation in the future? Yeah. Loads of interesting different challenges that maybe uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe in an agency you have a bit more um, a bit more flexibility to say actually we're just gonna use this for building front end or I mean not not that you pigeonhole it, but you know what I mean? You, you might not have as much fragmentation because you can direct that a bit simpler.
1: Yeah, there's there's some clients that come with technology expectations. Right. Which is difficult sometimes. Um but by and large we try and go one way. Mm. Um so very much going down the React Laravel route at the moment. Yeah. And I can't see that changing mm. anytime soon. And there's amazing things like inertia, which sort of it combines um sort of front end stuff. They've got a Ruby on Rails back end as well, actually. Oh right, nice. It's like building like sort of like majestic monoliths in in Laravel and Ruby on Rails, which is pretty cool. So That is pretty cool. Yeah, I think as we mentioned before, there's a lot of crossover with the ecosystems and stuff. Mm. Um, I think picking a tech and sticking with it makes it easier to apply learnings from one code base to another. Because mm. um, what you don't want is to reinvent the wheel every time you do a project. Yeah. The reason you pick an agency is because you wanna hit the ground running, you wanna build your startup out in mm. six months, not th- three years. Yeah. And you want something that works and they can take it in-house and hopefully get some funding,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. and then they can do all the fifty-plus devs problem later. <laughs> um, so our goal is to just get that sort of the the initial kindling going and uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, pass it over.
0: <laughs> well, because you've got, um, I, I guess, from your side of things, you, you invest quite heavily in a in a kind of longer life toolset uh, in that in that sense. So. You've decided your back-end and front-end technologies, you've created the shared tooling, you know, you've defi- defined your ways of working in terms of shipping. Um, just like bigger companies have too. Um, but I guess it might be slightly easier for you to pivot and move and augment that that selection of technologies over time.
1: Yes and no, you can pivot, but then you still have all the old code, code bases to maintain. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you can change, but then everything else needs a bit of a a bit of a tickle yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's some plate spinning involved
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i can imagine <laughs> yeah it's it's tricky uh, i think especially when you've got multiple languages and cuz you know you end up writing shared libraries for lots of things like monitoring and logging and all sorts of stuff yeah that becomes a bit of a problem when you're maintaining multiple shared libraries in multiple environments and uh, languages and stuff
1: yeah definitely um, um but yeah all the all our monitoring centralized and we have we have a couple of good deployment platforms that we've worked on for a while mm. um, so one's kubernetes based i don't know if that's how you say that yeah <laughs> uh, and the other is serverless yeah which is where we're sort of pushing towards which is a lot nicer to to sort of work with i think
0: you've worked with amazon on quite a few things with Serverless, haven't you as well so.
1: yeah we did we yeah way back when before it was called serverless Back when you just had lambdas and
0: was that when yeah. it was like bean it's around or is that, oh, is
1: that yeah I think beanstalks I don't think Amazon ever switched anything off today <laughs> <No. laughs> I don't think not sure if people would use that as a new tool today though <laughs> yeah um, no
0: it didn't really take off as much as they thought
1: no I get really confused because they've got like light sale now which is their sort of more consumery offering but mm. secretly just containers and other bits underneath. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah if they turn something off you know it's really bad yeah
1: I, I think there's like removed one feature from one product ever
0: I saw they turned something off on a S3 the other day I can't remember what it was they disabled a, a feature on S3 and oh, that's wow. the first time I've ever seen them do anything on S3 like that maybe
1: they're going back on their promise
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe I think no one used it though so I think that was oh, alright <laughs> um, so back to kind of the career side of things I think recognising the, the state of the market at the moment. So um, I don't know about you, but um, to be frank, the, the market is nuts at the moment yeah, while, while we're working.
1: Some strange things are happening. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I think remote
1: working is is a big cause of that. Yeah. But there's some, there's some good things and some bad things that have happened. Mm. The good things are that we've managed to hire a bit further afield. Yeah. Um, and so we've got like a, a couple of people down in sort of Portsmouth, and they've got we've got like a working shared working space for them, but yeah, I think there's lots of people moving around we've had people accept job offers and then retract them <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um which I've heard anecdotally from other agencies that's happening, yeah, um
0: just like getting their ducks lined up and seeing what what's the best uh best I, route. I think people
1: are apprehensive about jumping ship sometimes, yeah. and the Yes, some of the offers and job titles floating around are a bit unusual, but Mm. um, I think it will settle down.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think, because we're certainly seeing similar stuff um, at the moment and attrition at the moment is higher than normal for sure. Um, I think we're doing everything culturally to try and retain and make sure that we're looking after people, but ultimately when the market's so buoyant, um, you're going to have a higher attrition rate. Um, I I guess the real issue is... um, is what you just mentioned there in terms of those, in terms of the definition of the career progression. You know, people are moving into different uh, companies to progress themselves. Um, maybe it's more financially driven because at the moment the 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 kind of wages are definitely higher. Um, you know, the the payroll is definitely uh, getting hiked in some places, and you see some titles that are definitely a bit more. Um, I don't want to say fluffy. But mm, yeah. there's definitely titles that didn't exist a year ago, maybe. Yeah, um, And I wonder why that is. I wonder why we're creating new roles.
1: I think because it is quite difficult to hire, I think some companies are promising the world on a stick a bit. And yeah. that's possibly going to be a bit of a problem further down the line.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think we'll maybe see increased churn later on as a result of that as well.
1: You don't want to make promises you can't keep in the interview process, I yeah. believe, um, because you want them to stick around long term. Yeah. because that's where you get happier clients um, better products. Mm. If you've got people moving around all the time, you, you don't have a chance to build things. Mm. Um, like, so, yeah, it's important to hire the right people for the right roles.
0: I, get, I think we're we're seeing. I'm not sure if you're hiring many people in like the the data space at the moment, but we're seeing some really crazy market conditions in data in terms of um, you know engineering um, roles and responsibilities, and maybe more of more kind of unicorn style roles are being advertised, um, and and obviously the the kind of wages reflecting that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's because you know remote working, as you mentioned, you can hire anyone from anywhere. Yeah, you know we we've certainly exhausted the Halifax area with with Cavea. Um we've certainly um, kind of reached out as far as we can around that kind of northern region um, and we're seeing a lot of candidates applying remotely which is great. Um but then the expectations for salary and everything around that is is quite different too, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's it. Um I guess a lot of London companies and startups are looking further afield as well where yeah. usually they say Absolutely have to have bums on seats in some expensive London yeah. office. <laughs> yeah. Now they're going, right, well, let's get some people from the Midlands or wherever. So yeah. yeah, it's tricky, isn't it?
0: Retention wise, what do you think companies can be doing to improve retention?
1: I think obviously you have to have the money conversation. It's awkward, but necessary. Yeah. And make sure that that's a level where they're not going to be accepting other offers. Um, but really, I think a lot of, people that I work with aren't just money motivated and the expectations of careers these days is, is not that it's just a way to earn a living. It's, it's Mm. part of your life and it's, it should be enjoyable or at least a little bit rewarding (laughs) outside of just being cash. So I think just keep cracking on with making it as, as fun as it can be. And, it's quite interesting. Hard, quite
0: yeah. hard to do though. Drew. I think one one of the things that's been really difficult um is creating that culture and that you know that that space where people talk outside of work. Uh, obviously everyone's so knackered of Zoom calls and Teams calls. Yeah, at the end of the day you don't want to jump on another one with a beer and speak to your team really. So that's it's, the
1: problem. Yeah.
0: It's really hard, isn't it? We,
1: yeah. I did find that quite difficult. Like um the second lockdown, I think it was. Yeah. People are just proper Zoom fatigue. It wasn't exciting, everyone pulling together anymore, no, was it? It no. was like, oh, another thing <laughs> Zoom <call."
0: laughs> Yeah, we're in this together, but I just want to stop talking to you right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it has been nice to see people face-to-face, and yeah. we had some people come in last week, and I've only ever met them on Zoom before that, yeah. and... Organised like a board game night for people that are into that sort of stuff. Yeah, it, that'll be in person rather than which is amazing over isn't it? the internet.
0: <laughs> yeah, and in your office you've got you've got the machines with the with the soft drinks and the beers in it, and yeah, just yeah. little things. I was chatting to Sam, one of the guys that I'm working with at the moment um, yesterday, and he's like, "I'm in the um, I'm in the Engage office, and it's just amazing. You know, someone's come around giving us donuts, <laughs> just little things like that. Yeah, that's it. Makes it, all the
1: difference. It does brighten your day. I do think I do think some people do crave and need that kind of human interaction yeah possibly anecdotally developers less so <laughs> yeah <laughs> they don't mind being like locked in a dark room for a bit
0: <laughs> yeah i've got a problem to solve <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah so it is different for different team members but i do think people will start coming in a day a couple of days but we're not expecting mm. them to no it's only if they want to
0: um so, yeah, I guess how do you? So you you say Portsmouth? You've re, you've got a kind of remote space down there. That's right. Um, we've got a guy up in Scotland
1: and someone over in Germany at the moment. So,
0: so the interesting problem there is, and we've got the same problem with um, the career because you've got uh, Westmoreling, Reading, and Halifax. Yeah. How do you how do you make it feel like one site? Because you know that we want to make sure that everyone feels included. Um, everyone has their own little kind of ecosystems in each office and you know ways of working how do we how do you bring that together i know that there's some companies um i'm not gonna mention said company because they've gone down in favor a little bit in the the last a few months maybe um but you know there's definitely promote remote working and different approaches to remote working yeah um how how do you do that instead of just forcing everyone to use slack and teams all the time i think it's
1: a difficult problem and it has to be individual to the people involved I think hmm. um, like yeah it's a tricky one I think we will want to do like a big summer party and a Christmas party still hmm. what form that takes I'm not sure yeah. <laughs> Do we move it halfway down the country or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know yet yeah. what do you think how's, how's it going to affect where you're at the moment or
0: I don't know it's, it's quite tricky because I think obviously we're not out of the pandemic yet it's, it's still very much in I know that the government restrictions have eased, but, you know, COVID is still very much a thing, isn't it? It's not, it's not gone away just because we've eased restrictions. And I think things are obviously getting a lot better. But what we need to be mindful of is um, people's feelings towards it. You know, the, there's a lot of general social anxiety around it. I, I definitely carry some of that with me. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like, how do you make inclusive events where people can get together and then still include people that maybe don't want to travel just yet? Or, you know, it's, it's that kind of... It's the remote problem, really. Um,
1: Yeah, because you brought your hay events online swiftly during the pandemic.
0: (laughs) Yeah, which works quite quite well, I think. And I think we've learned some stuff from that that we'll keep, definitely. Yeah,
1: you can just like a jewel...
0: Yeah. You can
1: be in person and have a beer or you can tune in or whatever.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Like the hybrid the hybrid thing seems to work quite well. Um so in, in office spaces I think that's investing heavily in conferencing software that's not shit. <laughs> Did we uh, found some? No. <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: we bought a like a high end Jabra microphone thing and thought this is gonna be great. Yeah. Plugged it in. Absolute
0: rubbish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, it seems to be the more you spend, the, the crapper it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we, we've definitely tried to get some. Some. I mean, to be fair, there's, in the Caviar offices, there's, there's a, definitely a better setup than there used to be. Um, it's really hard to find the right setup for different team, um, the different makeups of team because. You know, you don't want to all around a microphone. Some people might want to be standing up on a whiteboard in front of, you know, how do you find yeah. a camera? Because some of the cameras that track all that are really creepy. Yeah, they are.
1: <laughs> like the Facebook ports, I don't know if you have yeah. one of those, it just sort of follows <laughs> you around the room.
0: Yeah, I think during the pandemic, I, I called you quite a lot on that and it was just very intense zooming on your face. Yeah,
1: yeah. Just going to the fridge and it's just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, creepily zooming in. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'd, it's tricky because I, I really do like drawing on a whiteboard and fleshing mm. out ideas, and yeah. there isn't any good replacement i found for that. Mm. Miro's pretty good. Yeah. It's not bad.
0: Yeah, Miro seems to be the, the popular sort of choice, and it is very good, and it's quite flexible. Um, the issue, the thing that I'm looking at at the moment is um, all these ones that have, like, the little bubbles of your video in, immersed in your desktop. So it's not like a full-screen video call. Um, it's like an always-on walkie-talkie with your colleagues. So it's like, oh, nice. like you're in the same office space. Yeah. I think
1: Slack's introduced something similar, like uh, Huddles. Right. Oh, right. Cool. So it's like a per-room audio channel that you can opt in and out of. Oh, that's cool. Which is pretty cool. Um, right. I think they've copied that off Discord maybe. or
0: Yeah, I saw that on. I've seen it on a few things. That's cool, though. Yeah. Yeah, that maybe give that a go then.
1: I think what you want to make sure, though, is that the people that are in the office and the remote workers have the same career progression opportunities as well. Exactly. And you're not missing out on the chance for a promotion cause just because you're not yeah. <laughs> sat having a beer with someone. I think that's very important. Definitely. And possibly illegal as well. <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> if you don't get it right. Um, and
0: it's just not the right culture that you want to create, is it? Um, I, I know in the past um, what's happened is I've, you know, when you're trying to achieve that remote working thing is – Maybe four of you will be in the office. You'll be sat around a table. Another four of you might be on, on a call in the same room, as in trying to do it over, over, over network. And it's, it kind of works. It's a bit clunky. You can kind of hear each other. It's okay. But then what might happen is we'll go, oh, we'll, we'll take a 15-minute break if you want, and we'll come back and, and crack on.
1: And that's where all the little chats happen. <laughs> so someone goes and
0: gets a coffee. Oh, you know, oh, do you know what? That's just made me think. All those little yeah, things. Yeah. I'm not sure how you recreate that in a hybrid manner. That's a tricky one. Yeah, because that that really I think is, and that's that's what we miss, in my opinion, from the office culture, from the you know the side of desk conversations, all these things that are really key parts of, I think, keeping sane as well. You know, I I don't know about you, but with the back to back calls, you don't have that chance to have those ten minute downtime conversations. Yeah, a
1: quick moan about <laughs> whatever happened in the previous call. It's yeah. good to get it off your chest. Yeah. But you probably wouldn't want to write it down. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, it's not
1: it's not a slack chat, is it? Yeah, exactly. Um but, that, yeah, but it's gonna be tricky that.
0: That's a good point though. You mentioned it's like how do we how do we ensure the career progression is there for, for both sides there. Um because really that's about your processes then. It's about how you document it. So as an organization, you know, where is the skills matrix? Where is the there's loads of different frameworks. Um, Sophia is one of them. Uh, it's quite an old one, I think, but yep. it's still in use today. Um, you know, there's, it's, it's kind of like it, where, where I am, if I'm in the office or not, can I go somewhere and find that information? Is it consistent? Is what I hear from you what is written down? And yeah. it's always a bit of a problem, documentation, right? So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a struggle, especially yeah. when confluence is being a pain. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. And HR ties quite heavily into it, you know, because you want to – you want to do right by people and make sure they feel supported and the progression there and
1: yeah definitely i think we've sort of made a decision that the more senior management level is going to make an effort to come in more and on yeah. the same days yeah um and then it's it's sort of more relaxed for everyone else yeah definitely. Um, and that's what we're going to stick with for now right nice. but i think everyone's just figuring it out aren't they
0: i think so especially i mean it, uh, we can be full capacity in the office again now I think, can't we legally? I think so, I don't think people would be comfortable with that though I don't either, no um, which is, that's an interesting challenge in itself do you need a rotor for coming to the office or do you need bigger premises or you know, all these different, I know you, you just moved into your office so yeah. <laughs> ideally, ideally not yeah,
1: I mean ours was bigger than we needed anyway so we can space people out which is good, Yeah. Um, but I know some companies that were already a bit short on space <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's tricky isn't it
0: Um, So that's probably a good time to to wrap up our our chat today. I don't think we've missed anything from our chat, have we? No, it's been good cool um so yeah a huge thank you to listening to uh, to off script by hey radio um do check out the other hey content online um as well as some of the fantastic work that parallax are doing over at um i guess is that the best place to find it's that it's
1: the worst thing to read out <laughs> but yes we also have parallax.co.uk oh there you go <laughs> redirects
0: brilliant not the first problem you've had with that, with no, that domain that's then it. <laughs> um but yeah hit subscribe to get more of this podcast content in the future too uh, and join us in a few weeks uh, as we tackle our next talk Topic, i guess cool cheers josh thanks james all right bye